Well, I have been asking you all kinds of questions, and I got tired of asking them verbally and decided to put them down on paper. So, if you would, take that piece of paper. Do not write your name down on that unless you say, I really don't care. I'd like to share and let you know what's going on in my life. And if so, you know, you can do that. But it's not intended to be a, some type of a public thing, and, and it is anonymous. But part of this is just kind of wanting to know, as we're talking about biblical counseling, as we're talking about just counseling in general type of a thing, I, I started to put talking to. Uh, but then I thought, no, nah, we're going to be a little bit more and put counseling. So, all right, let's start at the beginning. This is a two-part question. <clears throat> First, the people I have counseled, and again, when I say counsel, I don't mean necessarily you have sat down and crossed a table and all that kind of stuff, but it's more than just a casual conversation. This is somebody that has come and that y'all have had a a meaningful conversation about a, a meaningful type of a subject. The people I have counseled have been from where? That's the first part. And you would go down, and you get, we've got options here, and in, we have one for other. You can put that in if you want to. Um, but second, number the area. For example, the number one area where I have counseled people uh, have been, or should that have been has been? Is it have been? The people I have counseled have been from church, second from work, third from friends from outside work or church, fourth family, whatever it is. So just kind of put on there. Does that question make sense? Steve Weary, does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. So as I've counseled people, most of them have been from church or most of them have been from work or they have been friends, or they have been family. Just kind of number those one through four, or if you say most of them have been from other, whatever other is, if you want to tell me that. Number two, as you have counseled people, what have been the topics? Fill in the blank. I have several of them there. Marriage, children, anxiety, depression, pornography, lust issues. Uh, fill in the blank if it's not already listed, and then number it. For example, you might put, you got all these marriage things, and then you say, as I have counseled people, most of, of them have been over marriage. Maybe that's number one. Um, and then maybe number two is pornography or lust issues. Maybe that's number one. Uh, whatever it is, and then put other down also. You say, I, most of the time as I have talked with people, or one of the things that I frequently find myself talking with others about is this particular issue. It's self-explanatory, I think. If not, Ron will explain it to you if you sit next to Ron. And if you sit next to, remind me of your name again. I'm Jason. Well, I've got you. with Chuck. All right. Chuck, maybe Chuck can explain it to you or you can do that. All right. I will give you, give you time for that. 
I'll go on to the third one just in case. What have been the most challenging parts of counseling? Examples, how to move past the listening to asking questions and addressing the problem. Somebody comes to you and they just dump all this stuff on you and say, I'm listening, I care. How do I get to the place where I'm asking some questions and talking uh, about that? Um, knowing what to ask, knowing what to say, what Bible verses to use, uh, appropriate follow-up or homework, whatever it may be. Just what are some things that come to mind as you are doing that that have said, these have been challenges as I have counseled people? <clears throat> Come in, grab a bag of candy if you want, and then take that little informal survey without you putting your name on it, <clears throat> unless you are so moved. And if you have questions about the survey, then feel free to jump in and ask those. Vera likes to whistle in case you all have, it's kind of quiet in here. If you'd like for her to whistle a tune, uh, she would be happy to do that or sing, either one. Yeah. As I have told some of you before, they, the last time they asked me to sing in church, it was on a hill far away, uh, which... That's a that's an old hymn, in case you didn't know. Some of those you got. I realize now that's gotten to the place I have to explain that to the people under the age of forty. On a hill far away, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is that. That is an old hymn that we just never sing. So, but y'all like hymns. I like psalms. I like choruses. I like them all. 
give you another minute or so of uninterrupted whatever, and then we will start and let you. Yeah, you can just turn those over and put them on your, put them in the middle of your table, and we'll pick those up at the end. All right, uh, as we get started, questions that have come up about the whole aspect of counseling. Uh, since we have last met, or you were talking to someone, or you read something, or heard something, or the Lord brought something to mind. Going once, twice. All right. Yes, Don. Hang on half a second. Let me interrupt because if but you were also going to share yeah. a thing about the Bible. Well, that's, that's where I'm Is that where you're going to? I'm going to because it, it, it comes mainly when, when I'm an evangelist. Okay, hang on. But let me say something. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. You can say that.
you normally have people for about how long in there? Or is it far? It, it depends on. Can you look at number two? Yeah. <clears throat> because if I see that they're interested in one of our programs, okay. and sometimes they'll come and ask, are you, are you finished with that person? And I, I wind it up. But I take as much time, I, I say most of the time, 20, 20 minutes. Amen. We, we agree theologically on that. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I commend you for that. And you're a soul winner and you're a godly man and you give that everything you said is appropriate and wise and, and all of those things. I think sometimes the challenge is for, for us, and, and there's definitely a, you know, a, a point in time to say exactly what you said. I'm just thinking if there's a church member, somebody that's in here in church, but it doesn't mean they're doing what you want them to say. And then there's a time too where we're talking to people and all of a sudden we see their eyes kind of glassing over and we realize I'm talking, but they're not listening to what I'm saying for whatever reason. They've gotten bored, enemies attack them, they can't concentrate more than four or five minutes or whatever it is. And those are, are challenging times. Or when somebody just comes to you with a question, those are, are very hard, very, very hard. Can I share one more real quick thing? Sure.
Well, I know that we all know that as I'm looking around, committed people and y'all talking and sharing the Lord, but God gives wisdom while you're out there. Sometimes he'll, he brings things to mind. And that's true with witnessing. It's true with counseling. If we'll get in the word and if we'll come and hear, and then even the more we grow that the Lord has more to pull from. Dr. B. Gray Allison, when I was in his evangelism class, <laughs> told a story about he'd gone to see somebody, see a, uh, especially smaller churches and year, decades ago, I guess, you know, they'd, they'd bring the, the evangelist uh, out to somebody's house to eat. And uh, lots of times too, at that, at that years ago, bring them out to somebody's house to eat breakfast. Uh, don't show up at a lot of houses at seven o'clock for breakfast, unless you're bringing donuts, you know, they'll, uh, they might not think kindly of you. But anyway, uh, this lady came in. The pastor had said that the woman uh, loved the Lord as a member of church, that her husband was lost, that they'd really been praying for him and reaching out to him. They couldn't make any uh, headway with him. And so Dr. Allison said the woman was cooking breakfast. You could hear it all in the background. And Man came in and they started talking, and Dr. Allison started sharing the gospel with him. And the man just didn't want anything, just kind of rude, just didn't want to listen. And Dr. Allison said, Sir, if you don't get saved, then you hear those sausages cooking in there, you're going to go to hell and fry like a sausage <laughs> if you don't get right. And he said, As soon as I said that, I went, Great, you just, you. You've been telling young preachers not to do what you've just said do, you know, for the last 30 years. You've been telling them not to do that, and you just did it. And the man got up and left, and Dr. Allison really felt bad, and uh, the man went on to work or whatever, and he said, I just felt bad about it all day long. That night, as uh, he got up and preached and gave the invitation, who comes walking down the aisle but that man and his wife, and Dr. Allison stepped out, grabbed his hand. He said, sir, I just want to apologize. I shouldn't have said what I said to you this morning. He said, sir, he said, I want to tell you all day long, the only noise I can hear in the background is the sound of those sausages frying. And I'm just afraid I'm going to go to hell and fry like one of those sausages. So Dr. Allison said, now God will bring things to mind, but I'm just telling you, he probably ought not to bring to mind what I just did because, uh, that was, that was not the way to do it. But anyway, God will bring things to mind. I want to, want to talk to you again before we get into, I, I just think it's very, very important to, to set the stage for, I think, where many, if not most, if not all of you are, because you, 
you're not serving in biblical counseling, so you're not going to have somebody calling and making an appointment and coming in and, and bringing somebody in and sat down across the table from you. You're going to be out there with people from work, people from church, friends, neighbors, all of those kinds of things. So I just want to go back and cover again the importance of who we are uh, and, and, and just some things like that. And I have some questions, um, just general type questions. I don't know if you need to write them down as much as just uh, the... The, the answer. Uh, what is the value? Why should anyone want to be a person who gives biblical, who, who counsels? I'm just going to say it like that. And I will tell you, there is an Old, Old Testament passage that comes to mind about saying, why would you want to be someone uh, who counsels others? Would anyone, maybe there's a bunch of verses of Scripture, but one comes to mind in particular. Anybody have a guess what the, where that might be, what it might be? It's in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. Do what? And, and the, he will be who? That when he comes, mighty counselor. Uh, or is it Wonderful Counselor? Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor? Wonderful Counselor. God identifies himself, and the Messiah identifies himself as a counselor, as someone who gives wisdom, of someone who cares, of someone who is in that place of, of, of speaking the, the truth and the presence and power of God to hurting people. So you are very much like God. You are like the Messiah when you give counsel to people. And there's another one in Isaiah that talks about the ministry of, it's not necessarily counseling, but turn to Isaiah 64. I believe it is Isaiah 64. Maybe it's Isaiah 63. No, that's not it either. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. And I, and I say this, and as we go over it, because I think we have such a tendency, we, we have a tendency to avoid hurting people we have a tendency to avoid broken people. We, because I think many times it's just a mess, and I don't know if I want to get involved. I don't know if I'm competent. I don't know if I have anything to say. I don't know if it will do any good. And so we just got all of those lies that are going on in our minds, but and these are verses that Jesus quoted, I guess, in Luke. I think it's Luke 4 at the beginning of his ministry where he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Now, let me just stop him with all of these things here. He's talking about the gospel. 
But the, the gospel is not just for salvation as in people becoming saved and justified. In other words, that person that you led to Christ, you gave them the gospel, they turned from their sins, they turned to Christ, and they were born again. And we have a tendency many times just to think of the gospel of the good news as, as that. That is the starting point, but that's not the ending point. There is so much to, to go on from there. Oh, I just, you know, I thought back to when I was saved when I was 21 years old and, um, and, and heard the gospel and at, got baptized at Broadway Baptist Church and, and I was just a mess. Man, I was bad. Every once in a while, Brother Bobby would say something to me every once in a while about uh, Brother Bobby Moore was pastor there. He said, I remember when you got baptized. I remember when you came into this church. And he just kind of kind of grinned and laughed a little bit. And he said, God's done some good stuff in your life. I said, yes, sir, he has. But the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. I don't know what your translation may say, but he has sent me to bind up the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all of those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting or a spirit of heaviness. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. All of these are wounded, hurting people like, like me, like you, like everybody that we come in contact with all through the day. Um, I cannot tell you, I know years ago, staff, we don't do this at this point, not required to do it. We do it if we want to. But anyway, I can remember being at the uh, south door on the chandelier that we were supposed to be out there helping the ushers greeting people. And I would see people as they would come, you know, standing outside, and you can look either one way or the other and see people coming. And I can't, I, and I don't remember names or faces. I look around, I don't think it was any of y'all, but anyway. Uh, you would see people come walking up to church, and, uh, and then they, I don't know if I can do the face without, you know, uh, I mean, just solemn. I mean, like they ran over their dog, you know, coming to church or something like that. I mean, just just look bad. And sometimes looking bad towards their husband or wife. And then all of a sudden, one of the staff out there is saying, hey, good morning, how you doing? Hey, doing good. Good to see you. <laughs> oh, you're not doing good. You know, you just, how you were looking just a, a moment ago, you just put on your church happy face. And, and, and the church, it, it's, it's like that. I've done that, you know. You ought to be a minister going through a hard time. Unfortunately, my wife and I have done good for decades and everything. But what we had sometimes when we first got married that, you know, um, anyway. Um, 
But people are hurting. People are afflicted. People are brokenhearted. People are prisoners. Um, I don't know whether to get into this tonight or not. I'll go ahead and get into it just for what it's worth. Um, We haven't even talked that much about people, about spiritual warfare and with people being bound up uh, by different spirits. All kinds of spirits are talked about in the Bible. Spirit of of fear, spirit of heaviness right here, spirit of lust, spirit of harlotry, spirit of slumber. Uh, Those are just some that come to mind. And I won't tell you, and if you've heard Steve many times, you know, we don't see, you know, a demon behind every bush or whatever, although there may be. But I told you several weeks ago about somebody that was trying to get a divorce for unbiblical reasons. If you remember, the husband was hooked on pornography. The husband came in. I made uh, an appointment and asked him. I said, will you come in and can we talk? And so he came in and talked. And he had been involved in pornography for like 30 years, 25, 30 years, long time. Had been free, had not been involved in pornography for probably at least three years. However, he would not approach his wife, I guess in biblical King James English here. Um, And so that was part of the, (laughs) that was, anyway, I won't go there. Um, uh, Let's see, where was it? Anyway, so so that was a a real, real problem. That was a, a, a problem for her. And it was a situation. So we sat down and talked, and, and, and part of the thing was just saying, you know, why, why will you not approach your wife? Why will you not initiate or have sex with your wife? And he said, you know, I just, I just, I don't know. It's kind of personal, and I just, I don't want to talk about it. Which was really an amazing thing, because when I was in biblical counseling, people came in and just because they were maybe more desperate, but they just dumped everything. I mean, just, you wanted to know, they would tell you. But I thought, and it was very unusual. I mean, I was humble and, and you know, trying to be and warm and kind and caring, and all that kind of stuff, And but it was just very closed off. And then I just felt led to say, I said, now, as you were involved in pornography all of these years, I said, do you ever think, that during any of that time that that Satan and the, the demons of hell got a stronghold in your life? He just looked at me just, well, I hope not. And I said, well, I can assure you they did. I said, there is no way that you were involved in pornography for 30 years without there being all kinds of demonic strongholds. I don't even know if I could begin to name all of the different ways for that. 
And again, his just eyes just really got big. He said, well, I, I don't want that. And I said, well, I said, now we can deal with that situation if you want to. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, he's just, he's, he's a different person. And he's saying, I want to deal with that. And I said, okay. Um, turn in your Bibles to, is it 1 Peter or James? I think it's 1 Peter. Uh, let's see, 1 Peter... 1 Peter 5, no, I think it's James. Hang on, go there. You say, well, you got to tell us. You keep, you know, one or the other. What is the verse about submit yourself, therefore, to God? Yeah, 4, James 4, James 4, verse 7. I can quote it, I just didn't know where it is. I said, okay, I I want us to go to a passage of Scripture, and I want us to look at this. And the Bible says to submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And so we talked about that, and I said, I said, I can assure you, there are all types of demonic spirits, and Satan has, has a stronghold in your life with you being involved in pornography for that many years, never having really dealt with it. I said, have you dealt with it? He said, well, I hadn't looked at it. I said, well... He has, a, he has a stronghold in your life. And I said, if you want to deal with that, we can right now. And what I want to do is I want to lead us in a word of prayer. And I prayed. We said, Lord, we come before you in Jesus' name. And, 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 and this office is yours. We are yours. We talked to, I talked to God. And then told him, I said, now what you need to do is you need to submit yourself to God. I can't submit my. I can't submit for you, and so I need you to out loud, because the devil does not know what you're thinking. Now, he can put thoughts in your mind, especially if you let him. He can speak to you, but he does not know what you are thinking. But when he hears you, he knows what you're saying, and so therefore. I need you to submit yourself to God and confess the sins that you were involved in and, and, and to do that out loud. And so he did that. He said, Lord, I come before you and I submit myself to you. And God, I realize that I sinned against you and I sinned against my wife and I've done, you know, all of this, you know, different type of stuff. And so I, uh, I, I submit myself to you. You're the Lord of my life and, and on and on and on. He prayed. And then I said, the next thing that we want to do following this verse right here is to resist the devil. And you need to do that out loud. Uh, Again, I prayed. I said, Lord, again, we come before you. We are resisting Satan. He has no right. He has no place here. And, And as my brother prays, Lord, I know that you hear his prayers. And so he prayed and he said, Lord, I... I resist this spirit of pornography that has just dominated and controlled my life. I, I resist a spirit of something or another. There were a couple of other things. And then he said, you know, I resist a spirit of anger, um, which I asked him afterwards. I said, what was the, the anger? He said, I get angry at my wife because of what she brings up. And I, I was wrong 
but I get angry at her because of kind of throwing that back up to me. And we uh, went through that. Uh, submit yourself, therefore, to resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And so we finished praying. David Bennett was in there with me. Um, and so we finished doing out loud, walking with him through those three steps right there. And then I closed in prayer in Jesus' name, amen. What did he look like, David, when we got through praying? Yeah. An entirely different thing. I mean, it wasn't just that he smiled. His entire countenance just was just, I mean, was just entirely different. And we talked about that for a while. He, after we finished, he let, met and saw his wife and I talked to him, I guess the next day, and, and asked him, I said, well, did you tell your wife what went on? He said, she looked at me and she said, what happened to you? Uh, you look different. What happened? And he said, I just realized, and, you know, with Bill and David helping me realize that I had some demonic strongholds in my life. And he, uh, it was more different than any Christian from one point to another than I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I, he didn't get saved. He, he just got set free. Continue to talk. I talked. You talked. I can't remember where the passage of Scripture is, though you say, how did it turn out? When he came back in to see us the next week, or maybe it was the week after, maybe it was the next week, that old countenance had come back on his face. He was closed, wouldn't talk, didn't want to talk. I'm 99% sure that we went over him. I can't remember 100% about the passage in Scripture where when a spirit leaves uh, and they find it empty, there are seven spirits come back, and the, first, uh, the second estate is worse than the first. And that's what happened. Uh, he was somebody, uh, and they never did get back together. It was, it, was, it was one of the most astonishing and at the same time disappointing things that had gone on to see a change happen in somebody's life like that, but to see somebody slide back so quickly and... and, and the enemy just come in and take over. So, I say all of those things. I hadn't planned on going into all of that tonight. But some counseling, you know, addresses people's minds and their hearts. But then there are some things to where it is, it is a spiritual 
It is, it is a, de a demonic issue. And all the counseling in the world is not going to get rid of that demonic spirit who has a hold on that person's life. Now, I can't explain all that to you, but I've seen it. I can tell you Steve believes that. Um, you know, there, there's a place for counseling. There's a place for discipleship. And then there's a place for deliverance where people have a spirit in them. And counseling and discipleship will go great to great lengths to, I don't know, kind of like an Air Force, the airplanes flying over and bombing and, you know, uh, but, but somebody's got to go in there and deal with that demonic spirit that has a place in somebody's life. Questions about all of that? I could ask Steve. Steve's got a look on his face. Maybe a question or just a, uh, a thought. Somebody just got out of the hospital and got that. I, I feel pretty sure that we would have equipped him or, or said and given some things that the enemy never gives up anyone or anything without a fight. Um, so... You know, I think it's just almost like kind of like the same way if you have a small child, you just have to speak and encourage and 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 realize that they're not going to get it just on their own. Uh, just because you say, Johnny, it's important that you brush your teeth, doesn't mean Johnny goes, oh, okay, got it. Uh, brush my teeth, here on out, three times a day, don't worry. Uh, you just have to stay on them because they they just can't take it all in. Um, and that's why people need, that's why people need other people to shepherd them. And that's really where the whole church comes in. You know, it's one thing, the responsibility for us as pastors to, to do what we are supposed to do. But y'all know that as, as life group teachers and people that minister to other people, um, 
that that's where the body of Christ is, is essential to follow up those people. I had a great quote. Um, I just ran out of time to use it this past Sunday. <laughs> Boy, it was so hard to take out of that. It's so hard to take out. Spurgeon made the statement. He said, yes, I preach to 5,000 on Sunday, but I have 5,000 that go out to their workplaces on Monday through Friday and by their walk and witness preach the gospel. Great quote, but I ran out of time. I didn't have time to use it. So, yeah, I, th I think that just comes down to, to loving, caring, being there. I don't think there's a magic bullet, uh, a silver bullet that makes that happen in people's lives. It's just a process, prayer, those kind of things. But I'm just throwing out, and I don't know what y'all think about this. I think you've been around. You've heard Steve say these kind of things uh, long enough. And, of course, Dr. Rogers' little pamphlet about spiritual warfare that where he says, you know, you've got to go in there and, and you've got to take back that ground that the enemy is like a squatter and you've got to verbally renounce him and tell him to, to get out of there. And... Um, it's hard work. Do I... Yeah. It takes a lot of yeah. A Well, let me, let me just, just stop encouraging us to do it. I'm just saying. Yeah. You, get, you just keep going. What can I do? What do you have to say? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I mean I, that's, it, that's you, it's what teachers, preachers, and all of us get every Sunday. Just, how do you get people out? You know, as I kind of, as I kind of, lifted up my, or opened my eyes, whatever, during the service, and especially the fourth verse, and I'm expecting to see all of the hands in, <laughs> I'm sorry, all in the hands in the entire church, just, Lord, I surrender, and I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to go share the good news. I will just tell you, not all of the hands uh, Sunday morning went up, and it was like, this is just basic New Testament evangelism. Did I not say that right? You know, did I miss that? Did I forget? You know, and so anyway. But let me just say this again. This is really, really heavy stuff. And if you've never done this before, to be with someone, to talk with someone, to uh, as they are actually engaged with someone in a in a spiritual thing, addressing the, the spirits, because the Bible says resist the devil. That we are to verbally, Satan, I renounce you, I renounce, I resist any and every spirit. You have no right, you have no place in this room, in this conversation. We bring the blood of Jesus against you. All of that can feel weird, okay? It can feel weird, peculiar, it can feel whatever. I don't know the, the, the words. And then trying to get somebody else to say, you need to, 
to resist the spirits that come to mind. I remember that's what I told her. You know, if, there, if you sense that there has been a spirit of whatever that comes to mind that you sense, then you need to resist that. And that was part of where the whole anger thing came out. And that was kind of like, okay, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. So just kind of file that away. It's a reality. So. The other thing that, that I would say just in, in, our, in our last couple of minutes, the whole thing about counseling people, especially with, with neighbors and friends and church members and all of that is you need to be that person that Paul talks about in Romans 15, 14, where he says that I know that, for I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, and that word just basically good means, you know, this, this has been a good microphone tonight, not a whole lot of scratching and stuff. We have a very good air conditioner tonight. And y'all say, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's good. It's doing what it's supposed to do. We are created to know God, to walk with him, to have fellowship with him, to be filled with his spirit. That's who we're, that's, that's when we're good, when we're full of love and joy and peace. But I've been around church long enough, and, and y'all have too, to know that not people in church, and church leaders are not always like that. I've seen, I've seen church leaders. I've seen pastors, deacons. Sunday school teachers and all kinds of other people get in the flesh and be ugly. Uh, I, I have seen, I have witnessed that before and not had people come back and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I've seen them do that to me. I've seen them do that to other people. In my times of counseling with people, I've seen all kinds of church leaders that are just I mean, I couldn't even begin to tell you all the stories, but I'm, I'm saying whether it's a church leader, it's a Sunday school teacher, it's a, a, a leader of people. It, takes, it, it really takes Christ-likeness in our lives for people to approach us with a problem. Like, <laughs> do I say this or not? There are people I know. There are people, there are people I know. I'll just leave it at that that before I talk to them, I want to kind of see, are they in a good mood or are they not in a good mood? And so, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, with somebody with a big problem, somebody that's just weighed down with, you know, stuff about their marriage, kids or just won't talk to them, uh, uh, anxiety, guilt, I could, I could, a pastor I knew, um, anxiety was just eating him up and had for years and years when I was in biblical counseling, saw a man that um, a lot of you would know, um, not a member here, he's a pastor somewhere, and uh, just eaten up over anxiety over something that had happened in the early years of his marriage that he had never really dealt with, and it's decades down the road, and he ended up retiring, crippled during all of his ministry, and 
what not not physically but just spiritually and emotionally just because there was an unresolved um, issue uh, with his wife that he needed to have a conversation and 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 couldn't or not he couldn't he wouldn't and uh, and it just ended up destroying him um, but if you didn't know that I could promise you you'd say he had a successful ministry church is full of those kinds of people from the you know wherever so if we want people if we say lord i'm yours and 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 the the, the spirit of the lord is upon me because he's anointed me if we want to have that anointing then we've got to be a certain type of person we got to get in the word we've got to stay prayed up we have to hear from god we have to deal with our sin, and, and all of us have particular sins. I wrestle with stuff that you don't. You wrestle with stuff that I don't. And we've got to deal with our sin and be that person that others don't have to kind of look at us, well, I don't know, do I talk to him? Do I talk to her today? But they see Christ-likeness on a steady base, basis in our lives, that our our walk, our words. I could tell you Christian people, I know Christian leaders that don't smile. You know, they just, they just don't smile. And I'm just going, okay, do I want that? You know, I don't know if I do or not. So I don't know if I'm going to come to you. If you never smile, and I'm not just talking about putting on a happy face, but just, you know, the... the some some joy on your face if you don't see that you go i don't know if i want what they have and and they're not going to come to somebody like that to say how can i be miserable like you can you educate me some because you don't look very happy but you know maybe you know something i don't but if you see somebody and there's the joy of the lord and humility and yeah they confess faults and stupid stuff they've done and and whatever they're open they're transparent they love god they love people the people are going to come to those people but if we're not those people people aren't going to come to us so uh i know we kind of covered that before but i just wanted to reiterate that once again that whether it's at church work wherever it is, that we need to be those type of people. All right. Any last things? Yes, sir. All right. You do a good job of smiling, Don. Don, Don Don's almost always got, again, and it's not just about putting a happy face on, but you got the joy of the Lord. All right, let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. 
I know we don't have a clue. But Lord, we, we see through a glass dimly, but Lord, we know that you love us. You rejoice over us with singing, Lord. It's like a, a father might his children or maybe a mom with a child, especially a grandparent, just rejoicing. And Lord, I know as you're trying to teach me, I know that you and I have such a hard time really allowing it to, to sink in and filter down. But Lord, I'm getting better. I know you delight in me. And you delight in your children. So Lord, out of the heart of one whom you delight in, Lord, may we walk and live and love and serve. And Lord, help us to see whether it's somebody that's just standing over in the corner by themselves drinking a cup of coffee or whatever and or thinking, and Lord, you prompt us uh, to go over and talk to them or somebody is talking about how things are going on and just hard and tough and they're discouraged or whatever. Lord, give us ears to hear. And Lord, help, may, may they know that we really love them, that we're not trying to fix them, but Lord, we're trying to love them. And Lord, knowing your love, knowing our love, may you bring hearts and lives and souls together. And Lord, may Jesus be in the midst of it all, glorified. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Lord, thank you for their faithfulness to come and their attentiveness Lord, I pray you will bless them, Father, in a special, special way and equip them. Uh, may they be getting out of this, Lord, this time together, what they desired, Lord, when they first came in. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.